and that you have very diverse biologies in this group. I've learned that you are deeply thoughtful, that you are engaged, that you truly do want to look more like Jesus. And that's not just something that you say, it's something that you really roll your sleeves and dig into. I've learned that you, uh, you're, you're thinkers, but you're also doers, and that you serve. You serve one another, and you serve in your community. I've heard that a little about painful separations that have happened in your story, and pastors that have resigned and created a split, and another pastor that has helped with your healing. I have learned that you have recently hired a new pastor, Andrew, and that uh, his uh, arrival brings a sense of hope and an excitement about looking forward and wondering what's going to be this new territory that um, WCF is going to be going into in the future under his leadership. And I've learned that you recently made a commitment as a congregation to be in conversation with one another, exploring and learning and praying and studying and asking questions and listening and sharing around the issue of LGBTQ community. Your leadership reached out to me and with an ask, and they said, Krista, can you help us tell our story afresh? Will you assist us, not just in telling the old story? but in reimagining our story in a new way. A lot of this is like direct quotes from the conversations that I've had, so this is your, your words of your leadership. Kristen, will you guide us past any stuckness, both corporately or individually? Will you give us new ways of relating to one another? Perhaps ways in which that, that flip the old dynamics, the places where we're comfortable? Will you help us be more Christ-like always, but especially in times of conflict? Will you give us tools to know how to do that? That sounds really good, but we have some tools. And lastly, this was a special kind of moment, and it reminded me how much I, I how much my brain needs the conversation of other people to generate ideas and hear. But it, uh, one of your leaders said, help us come together for the next several years and get excited and believe in ourselves again. Does that resonate with you all? Yeah. I said yes. Um, I have a couple reasons why. I said yes. Um, one reason was because I really think that you're right for this kind of work. You are not in like, a capital C crisis. But you're also not disconnected from your discomfort or just posting on your complacency. That is a sweet spot to really want to be engaged and to, to be asking these kinds of questions. When you bring diverse people together, you're inevitably going to have those friction points and those places of love. And those are often the precursors for just uh, good things for your foundation. So I felt really hopeful about even hearing about some of the, um, the places of pain or the, the pain points in your story or even today. No one has, said, I'm, I'm counselor, I want to say that nobody has ever, ever, ever in my 25 years of counseling 
They have never come in and said, Kristen, my life is awesome, and I just wanted to help you. Would you just help me make it more awesome? <laughs> like, that never happens. Um, another reason why I said yes is because I really love the intentionality of leadership. I love their willingness to ask questions like, who are we? And where did we come from? And where are we going? What might our purpose be for the future? I want to read to Jonathan Larson's uh, notes that he left uh, that, I, that came into my hands. He says, whether during a wall in his life, whether it be calmed, traumatized by crisis, or in some other crossroads circumstance, such questions can bring can serve to bring back into focus the inspiration to us in our beginnings, turning points in his journey, prophetic insights from the past, and can not serve can serve not only to reestablish or reshape a corporate identity, but to illuminate a path forward. The questions are beautiful. Who are we? How do we get here? What's our purpose now? And it is you know, the ability to ask beautiful questions in sometimes very unbeautiful places is a real gift of your leadership. Beautiful questions begin to shape your corporate identity by asking them as much as it as much as by asking them as it does by having an answer. I'll say that again. Beautiful questions begin to shape your corporate identity as much by asking them as it does by having them answer. We're going to be asking a lot of questions. And we're going to ask the Lord to give us answers. And I hope that it's, 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 they're plenty and fruitful. But even if we leave with not as many answers as we want, the asking of them is turning something good. The final reason why I said yes is because somebody can be told that you guys do intergenerational games. <laughs> and like, I gotta tell you, like, I heard that and like, there was like surge of my competitive juices like running into my body. I was like, oh, game on, people!
um, a 20, a young 20 year old
know that you are feeling some sort of awkwardness or distress. I'm just curious. How do you know it?
spring beside the road called Shur. And the angel said to Hagar, Hagar, and in case you don't know that's you that I'm talking to, I'm going to actually use the name that you're probably most familiar with, Slave of Sarah. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Of your story 
when we take a step back and we take a bigger picture and ask ourselves these more high elevation questions. I think it I think we move towards more uh, significant yeah. We get we get closer to the more significant content, the meaningful content. Because we have a story and you know how to Again, there were no promises for Hagar. 
we don't know, there's no promises that her pregnancy would be easy, there was no promises that Sarah would have a change of heart, which she doesn't. We don't know, she doesn't get to know from the Lord who's right and who's wrong. Is she hurt more than anyone else? It's not the point. The change that the Lord was after is within Hagar. And I have the sense that what was previously untolerable is now tolerable. And almost even more than that, like she she says, you are the God that sees me. And she turns on her heels and she goes back in to this story. But it's not the same story anymore. Her ability to be to be honest and vulnerable and broken and to hear from the Lord and engage in his questions allows Hagar to release her old story and to receive this new one. She was telling an old story, I'm sure, as she was running through the wilderness, I'm sure she was. But when she heads back, she's telling a different story. Dear friends, it is in the honest sharing and releasing of the old parts of our story that we can be arms wide open what God has So I just want to invite us to just pause for a minute and to sit quietly. If you wouldn't mind, I'm going to ask you to put your hands on your thighs, palms down, take a breath, get comfortable, you can ship at any time. You don't have to worry about being
question is, where are you wrestling with the author and clutching the old story? Where are you wrestling with the author and clutching the old story?
Lord, I just ask that you would help them release what needs to be released, Lord. And if you feel like you'd like to just open up your hands and just kind of shake them out, please do. Thank you, Lord, that they don't do this on their own power. That this is up to them to do this on their own, their self. Thank you, Lord. Like you flip open, flip around your palms and stand in this posture of being arms wide open before the Lord. So, Lord, I ask that you would give eyes to these people for them to see their story.
Mim, and she told me that she was on that first day in November 1st, 1981. Well, well, not really. There's a little discrepancy on where you want to start the. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 